Welcome to the Word of Life Center podcast. It's our desire that today's message would equip and empower you to see the Word of God bring life to your life. I'm going to share with you, um, I'm going to kind of jump on board something that I shared a couple of weeks ago. Uh, In Deuteronomy, it says this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 23. And it's basically the Lord speaking this out to Moses, through Moses. And it says this. Then he brought us out from there, talking about Egypt, that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore to our fathers. The children of Israel were in Egypt. Egypt in the word of God is a type of the world. And the Lord supernaturally brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, it's funny because when I ministered this a couple of weeks ago, there was a, there was a, um, a, a, a minister from Egypt in the service. And he said, I wish you'd quit talking about Egypt being a type of the world. And I said, well, it's just what the Bible says. He, he said, I'm, I, I, I was getting kind of uncomfortable there. And I said, well, I wasn't talking about you. So, but, but in the Word of God, it is, it, and Paul used it to, so that we could understand that God brought us out of the world. How many of you know that? We have been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son. Okay? But now, listen to me very carefully. God didn't just bring you out so you wouldn't go to hell. He brought you out so that you could go into and move into the things of God. But the problem is that too many Christians literally spend their lives delivered from Egypt and wandering in the wilderness. Never receiving the blessings of God, the promises of God, really, (coughs) excuse me, to be honest with you, satisfied with what they can get just kind of hanging around the edges. But that's not what God has for us. God created a supernatural lifestyle for the believer that gives us a a way to live our life in the midst of darkness, in the midst of the world that is totally different than the world. He brought us out to bring us in. That doesn't mean he brought us out of, 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 of the world so we could go to heaven. That's just part of it. This might shock you, but do you know that you don't live eternity in heaven? You actually come back down here? Yeah, you might want to go read that sometime. So, so listen to me tonight, okay? Here's what I want to do because I want to give you some keys that can spark your understanding of where you are in relationship to being brought out. Because there are things that God wants in your life 
far beyond just saying, thank God I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. No, there's a, there, is a, there is a whole world out there that God created through Jesus for you to live a life where you're living that transition, moving into the fullness of what God has. We're not there yet, but we're moving that way. We've been brought out. And God's bringing us in. So we have to understand and know that if we're going to live that way, that there are clear actions that believers have to take on the way. Instead of just saying, well, I'm saved and I read my Bible once in a while and I'm glad, and, but I just live like everybody else. That's not what God wants for your life. That's not what he has for you at all. In fact, I, I have, and don't panic here, I have a number of things here that, that will give you, a, give you a clear understanding of where you are spiritually. This is not a judgment. It's just a, it's just a understanding of where you are. And if I can get you to understand where you are, then maybe I can get you to move a little along the path of where God wants you to be. And we're all on this path. It's not like anybody has all the answers. It's not like, well, we have the answers, but it's not like we're all doing everything we possibly could do. Amen. But there are things, and really I guess you could call them um, signposts in our lives to tell us where we are and what we're doing with this life that God brought us out to live. And the more of this that you can function in, the more you're going to say, I've been brought out to come in. I hadn't been brought out to live the life of, a, of a, um, a, clay, a, a cave dweller, hiding, waiting for the rapture of the church. God's given me capacity to do things here on this earth, to live a life on this earth that's greater than what I had before. Listen, when God delivered me out of darkness, put me in the kingdom of his son, I wanted to find out what that was all about. What were the rules of that kingdom? How does that kingdom operate? How do I live in that kingdom where God can work in me and bring me along a path of life? And so in that, the Lord gave me these, and they're all things that you're going to be very familiar with, but what you need to do is understand and examine, are these the things I'm doing? Okay? Now, the first one is this. You have to let righteousness reign in your life. Say, Pastor, what do you mean by let righteousness reign in my life? Listen to me. As a child of God, if you don't understand righteousness, that the Bible says you're the righteousness of God in Christ, then you're going to live a life of condemnation. Every time you make a mistake, instead of going to God for forgiveness and cleansing and covering in your life, you're going to live a, 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 a condemned life about what you did. Well, I was brought out, but then I messed up. Well, join the club. But righteousness tells me that all I have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus and have my faith in Him, and I am covered. I am covered. 
Adam and Eve, if they had just understood that they couldn't cover themselves, that God was their cover, then they would have never transgressed in the garden. And we wouldn't be in the mess we're in today. I read an article which shocked me, and this is not dissing the Catholics by any stretch of the imagination, but I was shocked by what I read because the Pope just made a statement, and the statement was, there seems to be a darkness that has followed humanity. I'm thinking, you think? You, you think they're really... But when you understand that Jesus' blood literally washed your sins, gave you freedom so that God can look on you, not as what somebody says, well, I'm just a filthy sinner. No, you're not. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. That's an oxymoron. You can't be a sinner. Listen to me. You can't be a sinner and be a Christian. You say, but I sin. There's a difference between the two. But what you have to understand is that when you make Jesus the Lord of your life and you call upon him, God sees you different. He gives you the ability to come into his presence regardless of where you are morally to receive forgiveness to receive cleansing, and to live a righteous life. Not because of what you've done. Titus 3.5 says it very clearly. Not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good news? So listen to me. You walking around living a condemned life because of things that you've done, you've got to get over it and move forward. So that's a clear indication of where you are spiritually if you can't get over condemnation in your life. Well, you don't know what I did. I know what Jesus did. And he knew what you did before you did it, and he died for you anyway. Isn't that good news? So the second thing, listen to me, is that you're going to have to let faith determine how you live on this earth. You know, sometimes it feels like it's easier to go the way the world goes, you know, just kind of go with the flow until trouble hits, until a problem arises, and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're at the mercy of whatever the world says, unless... You are doing what the Word of God says, and it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, listen to me, it says that we walk by faith and not by sight. Is your faith an active part of your life? Now, I'm not talking about the faith which we are in. I'm talking about a life of believing God. You were, listen, do you understand that when you were singing tonight and you were making those declarations that that was a declaration of faith? That was a declaration of here's what I believe. The chains are falling. Fear has to leave. 
You know the world doesn't have the capacity to do that. But Jesus made an amazing statement. He told his disciples, you see that mountain right there? If you say unto that mountain, be removed, be thrown into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe, you'll have what you say. He was talking about faith. See, you can look at the most powerful circumstances of your life that are coming against you, and you can look at them and say, yeah, but I have a greater answer. I have a greater answer. Well, sickness is in my life. I have a greater answer. I have needs in my life. I have a greater answer. And it's called faith. Faith in God and what God has promised us and what he'll do in our lives. See, listen. Too many times we don't even give God a shot at it. You, know, you understand what I mean by that? It's like, well, the doctor said this, so I guess this is the way it is. Well, wait a minute. What about himself took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses? By his stripes you're healed. Let's give that a shot. Least you can do is use it to fight, fight off what's trying to challenge your life. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, I'm about to go bankrupt. Well, what about Philippians 4.19? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Let's talk about that a while. Somewhere your faith has to start determining your walk. We walk by faith and not by sight. So if you're going to be that believer, you're going to be that strong believer, then you're going to have to do it by faith. I had lunch today with a pastor who had some really challenges in his life, very sincere young man, and I believe he's going to do well and do great things. But he said, you know, he said, I just like being around, I, I didn't take offense to this, the old guys. <laughs> I want to reach across the table and slap him, but I said, no, nah, better not. <laughs> no, not really. I didn't take offense to that, and I knew what he meant. He said, you, you, you just look at a situation, and you say, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we can overcome that. Yeah. I said, that's because the Bible says you walk by faith. See, what happens a lot of times, and let me just explain this to you. Is you in your walk of life, uh, and you're walking out what God has provided for you, and, 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 it, and it doesn't seemingly work. Well, I know faith, but it doesn't work all the time. Yeah, it does. You just stay with it. Don't give up. Don't give in. You just stay with it. You don't know what's going on around you. You don't know what's going on in the world. You don't know the circumstances. But the bottom line is that you have to make up your mind. If you're going to be brought out and you're going to start going in, you've got to do it by faith. It's a walk of faith. And if you don't get that, then you're going, to mis- you're going to misunderstand why things don't happen in your life. Because let me tell you, there is, a, there is a word that has become prevalent in the body of Christ, and it's called the sovereignty of God. I want to tell you something. Listen to me. I believe in the sovereignty of God, but I also believe there is a devil. And Paul more than once said, I was hindered by the devil from coming to you. You do not acquiesce to the work of the devil and attribute it to God. Well, God does what he wants to do. No, he does what his word says. 
I'm going to get to that in a minute. But you've got to understand that. Don't, don't let that be an excuse. Well, it was the, wasn't the will of God. Well, wait a minute. God honors your faith. Why would he tell us we have to walk by faith if he wouldn't honor our faith? So be careful about that. Listen, I'm going to tell you, the sovereignty of God is this. It's going to end the way God said it's going to end. And it's going to happen the way he said it was going to happen. And the Bible very clearly says heaven rules. Okay? But I want to tell you something. In your daily walk, in your daily life, whether you eat a hamburger or a steak, God is not going to decide what you're going to eat. You're going to decide. So are you going to decide what your faith does? Or are you going to just say, well, Lord, whatever you want. Because it's not what he wants. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. Okay? God wants to work with you. Listen, he wants his children to believe him. You look at your bills and you say, well, I guess I'm going bankrupt. And the Lord says, yeah, but you don't have to. I can move. I can answer prayer. I've told the story a lot of times, but I faced that one time after Becky and I uh, came back to Shreveport and we were getting established here. I just made some bad decisions about some things and, man, we just had bills. And, and I'm telling you, the only thing that got us out of that, short of declaring bankruptcy, was faith. And it didn't happen overnight. But it did happen. So you, you have to understand you've got to walk by faith. All right, here's something else that will tell you real quick whether you're walking toward what God has for your life and how do you respond in life to other people. Because listen to me. The Bible says love should be your response. I know you don't want to hear that. Love has to be your response to people. Let me tell you something. And everybody has to deal with this, okay? If your whole life is spent being angry toward other people, upset about stuff to where you can't even walk in love toward someone, because you don't like their attitude or how you're going to be a miserable person in the kingdom of God. We ought to be, if anybody walks in love, it ought to be us. The world has no answer for our love. So you're going to have to let love dictate your responses. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. See, if you're going to be, if you're going to go from being brought out to going in, this is one of the signposts. This is one of the markers. Are you walking in love? And and I can just tell you right now, sometimes you walk in love by faith because you don't want to. It's not like you get this warm, gooey feeling 
about somebody and all of a sudden you start walking in love, you have to determine, I'm choose to walk in love toward that person. All right, I, I just preached a whole series on love, so I'm not going to get into that, but I know you're glad. But The next thing that I want, I want you to understand is, and, and this is something that, that everybody ought to be working on, okay? You're, you ought to let joy lengthen to joyfulness. You know, everybody has joy from time to time. But you know what? As a believer... We ought to be the most joyful people on the face of the earth. You know, you can smile. Smile. Come on, try, you try it. Smile. You can smile. See, some of you are having a hard... You can smile. You can have joy in your life. <clears throat> well, you don't know what I'm going through. That's the very time that joy should be the greatest. Paul, I mean, James said, count it all joy... When you fall into temptation. Joy is part of who you are. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. It, it belongs to you. I'm going to say it this way, okay? Joy can make you happy. But happy can't make you joyful. See, before I got saved, I looked for happy. I, I just want to be happy. You know, just give me... Give me some place to be happy and have a party. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be drinking. I'm going to be partying. I'm going to be happy. But there's no joy in that. But on the other hand, if you'll just learn how to walk in joy and rejoice in your life, listen to me, you, it will make you a happy person. How many of you know Christians that are just... They're just joyful. They're happy. It's disgusting, isn't it? It just is, it's embarrassing. It really, isn't it? It's embarrassing because they're, they're, where, what are you doing? Well, I'm just rejoicing in the Lord. Yeah, but, well, we ought to all be doing that. We've got to, listen to me. Joy should be a part of our lives. And I think if you'll understand that, then happiness follows. All right? Here's another one. Peace. You have got to have peace in your life. Well, I tell you what, if I ever get the kids out of the house and, and my husband gets his life straight, I'll have peace. No, you have peace in the storm. Peace is something that belongs to us. It's in us. It's part of our lives. It's part of who we are. And, and, the, and the Bible says, and I'm not going to read this. Well, I think I will read it in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 in the Amplified Bible. Listen to what it says. Let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule, act as an umpire continually in your heart, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind. You want to know, I don't know the answer to this. What does peace say? I can't tell you over the years how many people that I have counseled with that made stupid mistakes. In fact, I've done that in the mirror. And the reason 
I know it was stupid because I didn't have peace when I did it. You have to understand that peace is part of your life. And it's not dictated to you by how somebody else treats you, how someone acts in your life. It's what's on the inside of you. Because you can be, well, Jesus was in the middle of a storm and he was at complete peace. But if you're gonna if you're gonna make this journey from being brought out to being brought in, you've got to have peace in your life. You get a bad report in your life, you better find peace first. I'm just telling you. Because you can lose your peace over a bad report. Over something that isn't normal or doesn't go right. And you, and you gotta grab hold of it and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I gotta find peace here. Before I make a decision. Before I do anything, I have got to find peace first. Anything in your mind has to be generated by peace on, from the inside. That's just a it's, a, it's a standard for what you need to do in your life. Find peace. Because some things may be producing turmoil out here, but inside you're just as peaceful as you can be. when we got stuck in that elevator this past weekend, this lady that was in the elevator with us did not have peace. <laughs> I have to tell you, I was, at, I was at peace. I was not literally not fretting or fretful at all. And thank God Becky just laid her hand on this lady and said, it's going to be all right. In Jesus' name, we're going to get out of here. It's not, it's not going to be a problem. It's like, she, the lady totally changed. Peace is who we are. So don't be agitated. Jesus said, my peace I have given you. So he said, don't be fretful or anxious about anything. He said, my peace is in you. So the minute you start losing your peace, you better back up. And listen to me, don't blame it on somebody don't blame it on circumstances. Blame it on you and say, I got to get my peace back. I'll tell you, I ought to charge you for this tonight. All right, let me give you another one. Okay. Because this is, this, this is really a very serious problem in the body of Christ right now. Okay. Listen. You have to let light that's in you, replace the dark places of your life. Now look, listen to me. The more you walk with the Lord, the less those dark places influence you. But everybody's got dark places that try to rise up in their lives. And a lot of times it's just the devil. But you have to understand that you have no relationship with darkness. Are the works of darkness. And when you are involved with those works of darkness, then you are going to put yourself in a position to be just like everybody else. Listen to Romans chapter 13, verse 12. This is an admonition from Paul, the apostle. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. 
Therefore, now listen to this, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in reverly, reverly, not in drunkenness, not in lewdness, not in lust, not in strife, not in envy. You notice those are all darkness. Put on the Lord Jesus. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust of it. Listen, Paul said, I have liberty to do anything, but I don't do it because I don't want it to take advantage of me. And what I see happening in the body of Christ is they're allowing darkness to stay in their lives. Read that list. That'll help you. It might be envy. It might be strife. It might be something else. But it it might be lust of the flesh. It might be sexual in nature. But whatever it is, if you leave it in your life, you're stagnated. You're not moving forward. And you've got to understand and know that that you have to move forward. And in order to do that, you have got to make up your mind, I'm going to replace that darkness with light. All right, let me give you another one. Let prayer release communion and fellowship with the Father. Do you understand that prayer is just not a... A something you go to God to ask God for something. That God has created a capacity for us, especially by the Holy Spirit, to pray, listen to me, to pray and have communion with the Father. Listen to what John said in 1 John chapter 1 in verse 3. Listen to this. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, Now listen to this. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. That's what prayer is all about. It's about releasing a communion and a fellowship with the Father. That means that you talk to Him not just on a bended knee in your closet once in a while, but it's part of who you are to commune with Him. To talk to the Lord about situations, about circumstances of life. Sometimes you'll get a direct answer. Sometimes you won't. But the more you commune with Him, you'll know His answers in your life. God created that for us. He gave us that capacity to commune and to fellowship with Him. But you've got to take advantage of it. Here's another one. And I can tell you this. People don't like this. But you can judge somebody's spirituality by their giving. Because giving will reflect your passion for the gospel. How valuable is what changed your life to somebody else? How valuable is it for you to be a part to send somebody to preach to that person or to touch that person's life? Jesus said it this way, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And and I watch people, 
And if you're, and I'm not pointing my finger at you, but if you're not a giver, I question your passion for the gospel. It's not, I don't need your money, but the world needs your money. We need to send the gospel to the world. We need to preach the gospel in, in our area. But the point is, that's what giving is. It reflects your passion for the gospel. So if you're not, please don't, ju- don't get upset when I say this, but if there's, if there's little in your giving, there's little passion toward the gospel. I, I, I mean, I, I just, I see it all the time. I can tell you when somebody's going to start backsliding. I, I don't do it, but I, could, I ought to create an algorithm where, where you, what are y'all laughing at? Where you could tell, you know, when somebody's, they're giving drops off, uh-oh, wait a minute, I better go check on them, they're fixing a backslide. And sometimes it may be an economic downturn, I understand that. But I've watched it over the years, and people as they're walking out the back door, as they're going back into the world, as they're getting away from God, their giving is less and less and less and less and less and less. I've never yet seen somebody backslide tithing. Usually the first thing to go. Okay, I'm going to move on. I wish I could spend some more time on that, but I I don't have time. So, all right, here's another one, and and this is a this is a problem today as well. I, I see uh, in the church. Listen to this. You have to let the word of God determine your destiny. I have learned that God's word will speak to me about anything I need. If I will seek him and I will seek his word and I will read his word, it will reveal to me an answer to almost any situation or any problem I have in my life. Listen to what Paul told the church at Ephesus, knowing that he was not going to see them ever again. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Listen to this. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. Now listen to this. Which is able to build you up and give you inheritance among all those who are sanctified. God's word will build you up. God's word will speak to you. If if you are seeking God and you read the word of God... God will speak to you out of his word for your circumstances and your situations. When you become skilled in the word of God, you will know how to find the answers from God's word about what you need in your life. Why? Because the Bible tells me in Hebrews 4.12 that God's word is alive and it's active And it's more powerful than a two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit. Now listen to this. And it is a discerner. Well, it says piercing to the division of the soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You want your heart exposed? Read the word. Maybe you don't want to. But I want to tell you something. When you sit down with, and read the Word, and I, I would recommend you read the New Testament, but 
But even God can speak to you out of the Old Testament. But, but and you read the Word of God, that Word will start speaking to you. It won't be like a literary work. It won't be like Catcher in the Rye or some weirdo book. It'll speak to you. I never did understand that book. Okay. Here's another one. You ready? Let holiness be a lifestyle, not a doctrine. Do you know the Bible tells us that we're to be holy as God's holy? Listen to this out of the Amplified Bible. 1 Peter 1, 14 and 15. Live as children of obedience to God. Do not conform yourself to the evil desires that govern you in your former ignorance when you did not know the requirements of the gospel. But as one who called you as holy, you yourselves be holy in all your conduct and manner of living. Yeah. Let me give you another one. I'm just about finished, but I'm going to give you these real quick. Let the supernatural be a natural part of your life, not a desperate attempt as a last-ditch effort to get God to do something. You're born of the Spirit of God. You're alive unto God, and you need to know and learn the ways of the supernatural. Becky was just telling me uh, of of a a program she just saw here recently uh, about uh, this teaching on angels and how God had supernaturally work through angels to, to bring people lost property, to bring people guidance in their lives, supernatural things. Well, I don't believe that. Well, that's why it's not working. <laughs> Next one. Let mercy be a commodity traded with others. So what do you mean by that? Have mercy. Have mercy. You have to learn to have mercy on people. Overlook things, have mercy on people. I got two more real quick. Let the Holy Spirit be your partner, not an outsider. I got to tell you, one of the greatest joys to me was when I got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit became active on the inside of me. It changed everything. Changed everything. Last one. Let grace be the capstone of your relationship with God. Listen to me. Ephesians 2.8 is very simple. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. As long as you will understand the grace of God, and that His favor is on your life, and He loves you, and He loved you before you thought He loved you. He loved you while you were a sinner. His grace was there. It, it, it motivates your life to know that God favors me. God loves me and favors me. Those are all signposts along the road. All you got to do is say, all right, I'm going to be serious here. Where am I with this? Where am I with this? And listen, don't check it off like, well, I'm good there. No, nothing I mentioned today you can't do that isn't a growing process. It's a growing process. 
Thanks for listening to the Word of Life Center podcast. You can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter or at our website, wordoflifecenter.org.